When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you, another episode. Teased it earlier in, this week, earlier in the week. Gator great wide receiver, SEC Network analyst Chris Doring joins us right here on Gators Breakdown. Give his thoughts of the Gators with the one-in-one start on the season. Look back at the Utah win. Look back at the disappointing Kentucky loss. Uh, Chris was around the program a lot during the summer. Uh, has some very nice praise uh, for Billy Napier along the way. So we'll get his thoughts on kind of the program and where the Gators are at right now at this early portion of the season we'll also get to hear from billy napier on the sec teleconference i got to ask him a couple of questions as far as the running backs go uh and that running back rotation that's an ever popular topic right now and also uh, the deep ball and the explosive plays in the passing game uh ask billy napier about that too and trying to create some more right there so he has some good things to say there on the sec teleconference does billy napier and also uh, we'll get some updates on some ball uh injuries right now the Gators are dealing with uh, after the Kentucky game. So, all right, here we go. The interview with Chris Doring. All right, here we are on Gators Breakdown with Gators great wide receiver, Chris Doring, SEC Network analyst as well. Chris taking time out of his busy schedule to join us here on Gators Breakdown. Chris, thank you once again for hopping on. Ah, David, good to be back with you, man. I feel like we do this annually, so it's, uh, it's good to check in, man. Yeah, absolutely. So we set this up last week, and you know, Florida had their first SEC game coming off the big win versus Utah. So one and one on the Gators right now, and probably better than some people thought. One and one. A lot of people were pegging Florida zero and two to start. No warm up games, <laughs> certainly to start the season for Billy Napier. He didn't get that chance to ease into the season. It's a very dangerous schedule. I mean, I don't think Billy Napier could have asked for a more challenging first year schedule uh, if he had, you know, even asked for it so I, I i you look at to me man if you can go two and two in the month of september you know, i think that's a a good uh, outcome for for the challenges that you face with a team like utah coming to town 
what we know about Kentucky or what people know about them now that they're continuing to just find out uh, and what the challenge of going to Knoxville is going to be at the end of the month. So uh, I, I felt like getting that win against Utah was equity in the bank. And, um, you know, I, I think Florida's probably not as good as, as what they were against Utah at times and also not as bad as what they were against Kentucky at times. So uh, I think for me, it's, it's kind of what I expected given the overhaul uh, of where this program needed to be uh, taken to and, and the process that it's going to take to get there. All right. If you're watching the YouTube version, Chris, what's the dog? What, what's your dog's name? Did you hear him? His no, 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 no. I, 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 we, we see. Oh, he's here. Yeah. My dog's name is Butters. And obviously I'm gone quite a bit in the fall. So just got back from my, uh, my weekend in Charlotte and uh, he's all over me here. So probably before we get done with this, this segment, he'll be sitting in my lap like a little lap dog. <laughs> Sounds good. So if you're listening to the podcast version, I don't hear it on my end. So, but if you hear some dog panting, that's, that's, that's where we're going with the story yep. right there. So Chris Doring right here on Gators Breakdown. So Chris, what, what do you think we've learned from these Gators? I mean, you know, we've learned a lot, but there's still so much to learn with this team. Yeah. Uh, are these two games that what you expected to see i mean the, the inconsistency for sure uh you know i warned and you kind of alluded to it as well transitions never easy uh harley come in with an instant fix add two of the best teams on the schedule the first two games i think there's a solid foundation to build off of but yeah there, there's the a sense of inconsistency and just not knowing really where to go yet. yeah yeah you know i thought david in the preseason seven and five was probably where Florida would finish given where the roster is right now. And, and obviously, you know, coach Napier taking over this program and trying to, to, to get everybody you know, headed in the right direction. Um, if they can get to eight and four, given the, the, the schedule they face, I think that would be a, a really successful season. Uh, but I know that's looking too far in advance right now. It's about, you know, just the, the game to game uh, progression and getting better. Um, you know, I, I think, Florida right now, the, maybe the, the thing that I liked the most was the resiliency of the, the team against Utah, the, the ability to, to battle back when bad things happen. And I think that's going to be tested after the loss to Kentucky. You know, how can they put that one in the rearview mirror? How can they get back to work? How can they get on the same page and continue to improve? I think what we've seen is a, a young starting quarterback that has loads of ability that still needs some, some time under his belt to, to refine his passing ability, to, uh, you know, understand – what the, the challenges are that teams are going to uh, give him. Uh, obviously, you know, Kentucky was pretty set against having him beat him with his legs. So he's got to find a little compliment to his running ability with his consistency throwing the football. And defensively, you know, they're going to have to find a way to, to, to stiffen up in the second half. I, I think the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the big Achilles heel heading into the season for me was the defensive line. I don't think it's uh, probably on the whole uh, what you, you need to have in the SEC to win, both in terms of overall talent and depth of that talent. Uh, clearly, that's been a point of emphasis with the recruiting uh, class here that's being put together for 2023, a number of, what, four or five defensive line commitments over the last month. So it's going to take some time, but that doesn't really help this season. So they're going to have to find a way to to develop more of the talent that's on that the roster right now at the defensive line position. And and figure out a way to, to deepen that rotation a little bit. Yeah, Chris, you, you mentioned Anthony Richardson, of course, and look, he, he's not going to be Kyle Trask <laughs> back there sitting in the pocket, uh, and then that's definitely not his skill set to begin with, and he shouldn't be asked or expected to be that. So, But you got to see a good bit of practice uh, before the season started, and we're, we're on campus a lot around the team. The wild moments will always be there, like you yeah. said. Wait-and-see mode a bit probably – uh, and look, I think we got to take into account his only 
only his third start, of course. And I think, you know, we go back to a year ago and oh, he got some experience, but I, how much of a lost season was that, I guess, yeah. come, in, come into question as well. You know, where should he be at in your mind? Well, I mean, it's about what you expect, you know. I mean, he just finished his third start as a quarterback at the college level. Has a tremendous amount of athleticism. Has probably been able to get by on his athleticism for most of his his high school career, and and so now he's got to learn how to become a more complete quarterback. You know, I, I people have said, "Oh man, he's going to be a top ten draft pick." I thought it was a little bit hasty to say that about the twenty twenty three draft. You know, maybe in a couple drafts down the road, but he's not a consistent enough passer at this point in time, and that's that's okay. I don't know why people are putting this much pressure and expectation on the the kid, and he is a kid. He's still just learning how to how to play the position, how to manage the pressure that comes along with being the quarterback at the University of Florida, how to manage the expectation of being a kid from Gainesville playing the quarterback position here in, in the city he grew up in. So, you know, I, there's a lot on his shoulders. But when I go back and look at the tape, David, there's a lot of other guys that are busting as well. Running backs mm -hmm. not picking up their assignments and protection, guys dropping passes, receivers and quarterbacks not being on the same page. Like, there's a lot that needs to be improved, and it's not just pointing the finger at Anthony Richardson himself. Um, but at the end of the day, throwing the ball 38 times is not a recipe for success with Anthony Richardson at your quarterback. Right. And, and Billy Napier's offense as well. Well, we're given you know, what we know about his offense coming yeah. in, uh, to, to, to this season. So Chris, of course, I know you keep an eye on that wide receiver position and you no, know, look, it'd be nice if, if, uh, if Billy Napier had Chris Doring and Ike and Riedel out there, be able to catch some passes, but, yeah. but he doesn't, you know, and look, not really needed because this isn't the fun and gun out there. And as you mentioned, some of it's quarterback play, some of it's wide receivers, some of the offensive line not holding up to, for Anthony Richardson to, to set his feet and get a throw down there. But it does seem that lack of playmaking ability that we were worried about coming into the season, that's kind of bled over into the first two games as well. Well, first and foremost, I've been pleasantly surprised with the offensive line. I think they've overall exceeded what my expectation levels were for the, the coming into the season. I thought the running back group has been tremendous as well. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Etienne's going to be a, a future star, if not already getting to that status <laughs> now. Um, you know, I like those three guys. Um, I, I, to me, the, the receivers, that was one of the questions coming into the season. Um, one of the reasons why you went to the transfer portal to get a guy like uh, Ricky Pearsall, who has been a, a nice addition and a nice compliment to what you had on the roster. I still believe in the guys that, that were already recruited by the previous staff. You know, I, I look at a guy like Justin Shorter, all the ability in the world com coming out of high school, you know, has the, the, the size and, and athletic ability. Just need a little more consistency from him. Um, you know, you, you, Xavier Henderson seems like he's coming on strong now. Uh, I want to see my guy Trent Whittemore get a chance to do a little bit more too. So I think they'll continue to get better. Uh, it's just uh, at this point, I don't know that this offense is going to be a, a throw the ball down the field kind of offense. I think for two reasons, David, they need to be a ball control offense. One, to stay ahead of the chains, be, a, be an offense that has Anthony Richardson in third and, and manageable situations where he could either run or pass the football or even go for it on fourth down a number of times like they did against Utah because it's a, a an advantageous situation and not out of desperation. And two, they got to protect the defense. You know, we talked about it earlier. Mm -hmm. The defensive line is, is going to be the Achilles heel this year. If you can keep them off the field and try to keep them rested a little bit more by possessing the football uh, longer and, and, and minimizing, you know, the minutes on the field for those guys, I think it'll help you in the end of the day. Chris, a couple more thoughts with you right here. And let's, 
this one might hit home a bit for you too because of who your head coach was and his approach to the game. And there's this thought out there, and even before Billy Napier was hired, that you know, there, there's a reaction when he was hired. Now it's kind of coming out that he needed to hire an offensive coordinator instead of taking on play calling duties himself. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And ultimately, I don't think Napier's career is going to be decided whether he hires an offensive coordinator or not. But what do you feel there? Obviously, you play for one of the best coaches to ever do it. The one head coach yeah. and offensive coordinator calling plays. Look, Billy Napier's no Steve Spurrier. Nobody's calling him that. But where do you stand in today's college football of a head coach being the, the, the play caller in specifically this scenario? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. As you've acknowledged, David, I'm biased, you know, having played <laughs> for a guy that was our head coach and also one of the, the best play callers that have ever been around in the history of college or pro football um i've often wanted this though like if you're a, a successful coordinator on offense or defense so much to the 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 fact that you you get a job as a head coach because of those skills why would you ever give that up mm -hmm. particularly for a guy like like coach napier who loves being around the quarterbacks is out there at practice every single day working closely with the quarterbacks it reminds me so much of coach spurrier and his his perspective um, and, and the way that he went about uh, coaching on a day-to-day -day basis at practice. Like, I just never understood if you enjoy doing it, if you do a, a good job at it, why, why would you give that up? I just, I'm not putting the fate of my career in somebody else's hands when what I've done, either calling plays on offense or defense, has gotten me to the point that I'm at now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's, you know, it's an easy target after what we saw Saturday night, but I just, I, I can't jump on board with it. If that's what he wants to do and if that's how he feels the, that's where he's comfortable at and leading yeah. a program that way, it may take him out of his comfort zone to try and be CEO guy. And that may make it even worse. I, hey, I mean, we're, I, we're two games in. I mean, what, right, what, what are people talking about? The guy was a tremendous play caller at, at Louisiana. Like uh, I, the overreaction by our fan base is what, has me the most frustrated at times and people criticize me in the off season for making the comment that, that, you know, our fan base was the worst. Obviously I don't mean that our fan base is the worst. I mean, I think there's a vocal part of our fan base that has unrealistic uh, expectations that, you know, wanted to fire a guy because he wasn't recruiting up to their expectation and standards of which that's been proven false now with, with the job that they're doing. I can't say enough about the job that, that Katie Turner does the job that, that, that entire recruiting staff, does in, in terms of creating relationships the number of of recruits that are in attendance the number of re recruits that were on campus on sunday like I, I i just think people need to chill and have some patience and understand again this is a major overhaul and not some cosmetic fix that's going on yeah chris kind of going to that one of the last thoughts and we'll get into some more sec storylines before i let you go but as a former player, you were invited on campus a good bit you were on campus seeing practice you've been around the program your initial impressions, you kind of just hit on it, but the program direction uh, yeah. under Billy Napier and, and kind, of, kind of the process. I mean, I for, for, for Dan Mullen, it was great offensive mind, but there were some questions about the process and what did the future look like with, you know, current recruiting and what did the future look like in recruiting 
right now, the even the process looks a little bit different of where you can kind of peek ahead a little bit and see some so the, the process probably paying off down the road, at least in one aspect. No question. I love it. I, I love the guy um, that I've gotten to know, you know, having a chance that have him reach out, call me specifically when he early on in his tenure here was was an honor. Uh, I'm going to do everything I can, obviously, to support my alma mater, and 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 he's certainly gotten me to buy into supporting him personally. Uh, not that that was his goal, but I I find him to be incredibly authentic, and authenticity is something that that human beings are drawn to. So much so that you look at when he was named coach, there there was not this mass exodus of of kids putting their names in the transfer portal. There were people buying into what he and his staff were selling and understanding that this is this is possible. You know, you look at the excitement of those players, what they've done for them in terms of the housing, what they've done. You know, the, I know the facility was already under construction, but what they've done to further tweak it to, to give them every advantage they could possibly have. Like, I, I just think it'd be a lot of fun to play for the staff. And you saw the resiliency from them against Utah, as I, I mentioned earlier. That resiliency for me comes from being around somebody like Billy Napier who has gotten them to believe in themselves, who has gotten them to believe in their teammates. And I think it's just a continuing process that you're going to see. It, it may not be a linear, linear you know, upward trajectory. It may have times of, of peaks and, and, and some valleys too. But I believe in, in the, the, the undertaking that's uh, in place and uh, the people that are involved in doing it. I, I just can't say enough about all of the, the staff that he's put together that I've had a chance to be around. Yeah, definitely, definitely a different feeling <laughs> behind the scenes, uh, as we can kind of tell here uh, by talking to you, talking to other former players, and you know, just kind of what we get to see uh, from an outsider's perspective as well. So, Chris, before we wrap up, man, of course, SEC Network analyst as well. So, you got an eye on the SEC each and every weekend there uh, while you're in Charlotte at the yeah. uh, SEC Network studios. So, as expected, Georgia, Alabama, top two. Maybe can slant that towards Georgia more now than, than yeah. Alabama from what we've seen the first couple of weeks of this season. You were very high on Kentucky. That's kind of playing out early part of this season. Texas A&M immediately needs to bounce back this week, uh, losing to App State, now Miami uh, coming into town. Arkansas, two good wins so far. Brian Kelly off to a bad start with the opening loss to FSU. Chris, this season, we're, we're two weeks in, and we're not lacking for storylines whatsoever. Uh, it's fun, right? I mean, that, that's what we expected. This is a, a conference that's deep from top to bottom. Even Vanderbilt looks to be improved from where they yeah. were last year in Clark Lee's uh, second season there in Nashville. Um, I, like, I like the conference as a whole. I, Texas A&M, unfortunately, is, is overhyped uh, every single year. It'd be nice for them to kind of be able to fly under the radar. But, you know, I think everybody with the, the offseason dust up between Jimbo and, and Coach Saban uh, had eyes and expectations on, on A&M. I thought it was a little unrealistic given what they uh, lost uh, on defense and their defensive coordinator and, and what we had questions about at the receiver position and quarterback position. So, I, you know, to me, they're, a, they're probably an eight-win team as well um, when it's all said and done. Uh, you know, I think the team we're not talking about enough is Mississippi State. You know, I'm, I'm huge on Mike Leach's team. I, I love Will Rogers. There's a lot of experience in that offense over the last uh, two and a half years now that, that looks like it's paying dividends. And Zach Arnett's done a tremendous job on the defensive side. Unfortunately, with their, their late game against Memphis and even later game last week against Arizona, a lot of people aren't seeing what the mm -hmm. Bulldogs are doing. But, you know, I think that can, can be a team that could be really impressive in terms of their projection or trajectory from last year to this year. And obviously, um, as you mentioned, I was high on Kentucky. I still believe in Kentucky. I think the, the pairing of having, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks in the, 
in the SEC, in my opinion, with what uh, they'll have when Chris Rodriguez comes back and that defense. I think their linebacking core may be one of the best, if not the best, in the SEC, which is saying a lot. And uh, and then Arkansas. You know, Arkansas is a team that has exceeded my expectations. Maybe the best resume two weeks into the season with wins over Cincinnati and, and South Carolina. So lots to talk about. I'm sure we'll have even more to talk about with some really important games coming up this week. Uh, Auburn and Penn State is one I got my eye on. Obviously, Texas A&M and Miami, as you mentioned. But uh, it, it's uh, getting down to where we're starting to see a little bit more conference on conference play too and uh you know that makes it even more interesting here in this league yeah i do like this change in college football a lot where we're getting a lot more of these big programs playing early games i mean we're two weeks into the season we already know a lot uh we're going to learn even more in in this first month of the season it's like basketball right i mean you you make hay in your pre-conference schedule the reputation of your conference is built in the first couple weeks of the season and, and that's why it's so important to not lose to uh, an app state, you know, it's important to get some ranked wins against uh, against you know somebody like Miami this week. So uh, a, a lot to be determined still. But uh, I'm with you. I love the the matchups. I love the home and home aspect of it too. Getting to see Alabama go to Texas last week was amazing, and and just continue to to look forward to seeing more of those Power Five uh, matchups uh, between the the different conferences. Chris, we've got to get we got we got to get the one over LSU. I'm, I'm tired of you losing that bet to Peter. You, you, I'm tired of looking like a fool having to pay these bets off to him, especially when we're you know what 21 point favorites and double digit favorite again last year. Like it, it, it doesn't seem possible, but uh, yet here I am, the one dressing up like a goon every week, every year. <laughs> Uh, Peter, a good friend of the show as well. Yeah. I enjoy Peter and Chris getting together. And man, with this, I, I, for, for our Gators' sake, I hope Florida gets a win over LSU. But for Chris's sake in particular, we've got, so, we, 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 we've got to see what you have in store for Peter uh, right. when, when Florida beats LSU. So, That's right. I, uh, Chris, man, I can't thank you enough. SEC Network analyst, former Gator great wide receiver, joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Good stuff from Chris Doring, always calling it like he sees it. Might have the orange and blue in his veins, but objective opinion you will get from Chris Doring. So, yeah, seems like the, he's pretty high on the future of the Gators right there, and we'll see. We'll see what happens the rest of this season. All right, some injury news and notes coming out of the Kentucky game ahead of USF. Uh, Ventrell Miller, Michael Tarquin will both be out versus the USF game. Uh, we'll see if there's any more, but Billy Napier did say they will not play versus USF. So we'll see what that means for the future as well. Uh, but, you know, this opponent in a game you should control, uh, you're not going to force those guys out there if they don't need to be. So we'll see if it's any more significant of that, uh, that down the road. But for now, those two guys will not play versus USF. All right, so as I mentioned earlier, SEC teleconference was on Wednesday. I got to ask Billy Napier a couple of questions. Here are all those questions on the running backs and the passing game, and then I'll catch you back on the other side. Coach, yeah, a couple questions. Uh, I'll start with one and if I can follow up with another. But uh, through the first couple games, Montreal Johnson and and Trevor Etienne have done a great job picking up chunk yardage. Do you envision those guys vying for more carries? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, we, we're very much a running back by committee uh, group. 
you know, it's been our philosophy for a long time. We've been one of the best um, rushing teams in the country. You know, those players have went on to play in the National Football League. Um, Montreal, Trevor, and Naquan, those guys are next up, right? And um, the good thing about that room is those guys have – they're selfless. They've got a great attitude. Uh, they work hard each day. Um, really, they're improving as practice players. I think Trevor, in particular, is learning more and more as a rookie player. But Naquan provides leadership. You know, Montreal obviously still a young player, but played in our system last year. So, each one of those guys to go along with Lorenzo Lingard, um, you know, they contribute to our team in a great way, and we'll continue to roll those guys through. Okay, last one. Uh, knowing the passing game struggled last game, how do you assess you know, t- testing the defenses down the field? You know, not many long completions through the first couple of games against two really good defenses. How, how much of an emphasis is there on creating more explosives in the passing game? Well, I think, you know, we made some explosive passes in the first game. I think we've got um, a little bit of that is by design. Just depends on the opponent and how they're playing you, but I agree with you. I think, you know, the things that you're saying there are true. You know, we didn't create enough explosive plays in week two. And uh, certainly uh, part of that is you got to protect, you got to run good routes, and you got to throw the ball with accuracy and complete balls down the field. So I think it's a collective effort when you start talking about creating explosive plays. And then by design, um, I think as a play caller, we can help the players there and try to put them in position to have success. Good stuff there from Billy Napier. And look, don't expect them to give away too much <laughs> right there. Uh, but going back to the run game, look, he's going to use the three backs that he's been using. They expect that. Naquan Ross not going away, and nor should he. But what we've been discussing is, shifting uh, the carries. And Equan Wright might even get to start in a, in, in a lot more games. But I think what we're seeing now is the need for more carries for Montreal Johnson, more carries for Trevor Etienne, those guys getting double-digit carries. Um, so I, I, I went back. I'm going to see if I can pull it up. Um, go back. I, I went back and I posted it on Twitter on Tuesday, I believe. And it's something just kind of – it came in my head, so I really, really wanted uh, to go back and look at it. And it was Montreal Johnson's numbers a year ago. Because remember, he was a true freshman uh, at Louisiana last year. And we all know uh, he ended up being a pretty good running back for a true freshman. Sunbelt, all freshman, averaged 5.2 yards a carry last year. He had 162 carries last year. But if you go back to last year, he had six attempts versus Texas in the opener. And then nine carries versus Nickel State in game two. And then in game three is when we saw maybe more trust going towards Montreal Johnson. And it's not like he blew, I mean, in the, the Nichols game, the second game of the season, only nine carries for 11 yards, Ooh, 1.2 yards a carry. Against Texas, he had six carries for 27 yards, 4.5. But then you could see there was probably more trust, probably in practice because the Nichols game nickel nickel state game didn't show a whole lot uh but starting that third game versus ohio montreal johnson 13 carries very next week versus georgia southern 13 carries went back down to four versus south alabama and then went on a tear the rest of the season app state which we was know the, the second best team in the sun belt 
He had 14 carries. That was a season high at that point. And that was the one, two, three, four, five. That was the sixth game of the season, 14 carries. Very next week, Arkansas State, 17 carries. And then Texas State, 10 carries. Georgia State, 17 carries. Troy, 16. Liberty, 11. And then toward the end of the season, Louisiana Monroe, 5. App State, 8 in the Sunbelt Conference Championship. And then in the bowl game, I believe there was an injury to a running back for Louisiana, I believe, if I remember right. Uh, but then against Marshall, Billy Napier's last game, or no, he didn't even coach that game, did he? Uh, the bowl game. Um, Montreal Johnson did play in that game. 19 carries there for Montreal Johnson in the uh, bowl game versus Marshall. So, yeah, the third game is when it started looking like it was changing there for Billy Napier and uh, trusting a freshman running back in Montreal Johnson last year at Louisiana. Now, of course, Trevor Etienne comes on the scene as a true freshman for Billy Napier at Florida and looks like he deserves a lot more carries. So maybe it ha- kind of happens the same way it did last year or the third game of the season, you start to see him trusting a freshman running back a bit more. So, of course, that's on Trevor Etienne to make sure he does it, takes care of his responsibilities too. And it does look like at least running the ball and in game situations that it's there. So now is he doing the right things in practice? Can they trust him to protect the quarterback? Because we've seen those running backs make some really good blocks this year, and that's mostly been Naquan Wright and Montreal Johnson. So if Trevor Etienne wants to be on the field a bit more, you know, then he has to take care of that. And I'm not saying he's not, but you heard there in the interview that Billy Napier did say, look, he's taking, you know, getting better in practice. And that's what we need to see. That's what we need to see. So maybe that third, if we go back to last year, maybe that's an indication. That third game, if those guys are doing what they're supposed to do, then that's when the kind of the trust from the coaching staff will come over as well. But a lot different also. Billy Napier trying to figure out this whole team in a transition year. Uh, it's a lot, a lot to figure out. And also coming off of a loss there versus Kentucky. All right, and then as far as the passing game goes, we know it's not just AR. Does need to help around him. But we've seen some plays there to be made. Uh, but, you know, somewhat alarming that you know, nothing down the field yet. And there's been no touchdown passes, nothing down the field. I think the longest completion is – I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I should have pulled that up. I meant to pull that up. But I think it was like 28 yards. I believe I said it Monday night uh, in the episode there. So, yeah, definitely um, a point of emphasis. Uh, and here, I'll try and pull it up right quick just to make sure I'm right. I don't want to be wrong on that. Um, but you heard Billy Napier say, yeah, we, we didn't create the explosives that we should have versus Kentucky. And, of course, it has made a difference. Uh, in, in Florida's passing attack. So let's me, let me make sure, because that's going to get on my nerves if I get it wrong for you. If I'm even going to the right place to find it, maybe I'm not. Yep, first place I went and checked. That's not it. Yeah, maybe. I, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's like 28 yards uh, in, the, in the Utah game. So, yeah, there we go. I was right. The long of this season is 28 yards. So, definitely got to get better. Um, whether that be a wide receiver catch and run, you'd love to see the deep passes connected. Uh, and that's, that, that's been an issue, overthrowing those. Uh, but a couple things in the offense that we're looking for, a couple things I wanted to ask Billy Napier about. You heard his thoughts on it. Look, he's not going to go that deep on it. And he's not going to down anybody in that setting, but I wanted to see what we could get from him uh, with those two topics 
kind of coming to the forefront through two games for the Gators. One kind of a positive of seeing some young running backs needing the ball more, going out there and proving that they need the ball more, and then the kind of worry of the downfield passing. So we see if Anthony Richardson can get that confidence back. A big topic we hit on in the last episode that I posted on Gators Breakdown, Seth Varnador of Varnador, Seth Varnador Films joins me, gives us a coaching perspective of the Gators, and then um, his thoughts on how Florida should handle Anthony Richardson uh, for the USF game. Do you go out there, let him throw the ball over the field? Do you go lean on a run game? Good conversation we had there uh, with Seth. And then uh, also the USF preview. Uh, if you want some key players to look out for or for their team uh, as the Gators match up against the Bulls, underneath the lights once again in the swamp. So go listen to that episode for even more Gators coverage like we bring here all the time on Gators Breakdown. It's all right. Big thanks to Chris Doring for joining us right here again on Gators Breakdown. Thanks to you for listening to this episode. Couldn't do it without you. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for all the interaction. Guys and girls out there, I'll catch you on the next episode of Gators Breakdown. Gators Breakdown.